you have to wait, you're going to say, well, I'm going to get out my 5,000 bucks to get my eyes done. And that's what this is about. It's about creating a market in small places, tinkering around the edges of the public system to a point where more and more services, as the healthcare system, as research is done, all of these things happen, more and more things aren't covered. It creates the market. Let me amplify what Shannon has just said with something that I investigated over a period of time about a year and a half ago. Remember that when Shannon was speaking of New Zealand, the neoliberal agenda, which we imported wholesale into this province, was still very much in play. So when electricity was deregulated or restructured, excuse me, in this province, it created the conditions for a company called Enron to come here and use Alberta as a proof of concept to later defraud the state of California. I'm just putting that out. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that's a fact. And that the individual who is in charge of creating the conditions for this deregulation is one of the leadership hopefuls for the Progressive Conservative Party. I will not name him by name, but you because these guys play for keeps, okay? So there's a certain amount of discussion that may have to be, and I think Mr. Campbell will remember some of the things that Tommy Douglas had to do was to encrypt some things that were known in the culture, but nevertheless, through the gift of storytelling, was to be able to tell these stories in such a way that people understood without naming names. All right, so against this backdrop of what Shannon has just said, I want to go back to this leadership governance thing, okay? So, and we're engaged in cognitive dissonance because we're all frothing here and engaged in this process. But I have to ask, what's this really all about? I mean, I don't know. I mean, but I do know enough about the history of this governance model here in this province is to tightly control the information, constrain it, get the smart people talking about things that really don't matter in the long term because this is what we're doing over here. And so I asked this question based on these facts. I don't know how many of you in the class know this, but how many of you are over there from the province of Ontario by chance? Is there any hands being raised? Okay, you would know if you were from the province of Ontario that you do not pay health care premiums. You do not have to apply to defray if you're a student a health care premium. Because the reason why you don't have to pay health care premiums is what my colleague Peggy Morton said a few moments ago. It was decided in the Golden Triangle, or the Golden Horseshoe, excuse me, in Ontario that for the auto industry to succeed in the United States, one advantage we had was that we did not have to pay health care premiums, which is beginning to sink in terms of retirement programs, companies like General Motors. All right? Have you heard any discussion about this whatsoever right now? that the competitive advantage, not only for Alberta, but for Canada, is the fact that we have a publicly subsidized health care system, which makes not only our cars built better, but made us competitive with our friends in the United States. And I do say they're friends. Don't forget that. These are our neighbors. But this discussion is not anywhere on the table, and I want to know why. I mean, you brought it up, but that's a very critical, important point. That gave us a competitive advantage. This is a governance system in this province that insists that we have the Alberta advantage. Why would we broker that away? Well, who, who says they're going to? I didn't say they're yeah. going to. See, right. I, I can't get anyone to dis It's difficult to get people to discuss this. 
because we frame this debate in terms of American system bad, Canadian system good. Right. I'm and I think good. that's a real mistake. I, I do too. First of all, when the, the, what I said at the beginning when I talked about the Liberal government and Cheyuli, okay? We've been sold this bill of goods that if we want a public system, it has to be rationed. Right. And that's the basis on which, I mean, that is one of the basis of the demand for private health care. Because those with the wealth are saying, well, fine, you know, the poor can wait, but I don't want to have to. And I've got the money, and I don't want to have to travel to the United States. That doesn't mean, I mean, I, see, I think if we, let's think about it this way. Mm -hmm. Does Syncrude actually want to take on the cost of health care for all its employees? But mm -hmm. let's reframe that. So. Let's reframe that ever so briefly. Yeah. Does Syncrude want to acquire the premiums that we pay to the province of Alberta yeah. and use that to amortize over, you know, the fact that our public health care system uh, uh, works on the idea that nobody's going to get sick oh, yeah. all at once. But those premiums are a small portion of what they would pay that in may an be American true, but system. But, very small but what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at, that's the slippery slope we're going okay. down. Okay, but, but if we look at that, that they're a very small portion, okay, those, those uh, premiums, that's not where they want to go. Do they want another system where their executives can go there? Do they want the choice of saying, well, this guy is going to be on my um, on disability insurance for a year waiting for, so we'll pay to send him to the private system, okay? So they want that flexibility for their top guys and where they want it. But do they want, like public health care is a two-edged thing, mm -hmm. okay? As, as every public program in a capitalist society, right, it's a way of providing to the capitalist the educated, healthy workforce and the infrastructure which allows them to make profits. And so when we talk about who are the interests here, I think we can't lose sight that the insurance companies are only one of the competing interests, the private healthcare monopolies are a competing interest, but there are also all those other monopolies and we're not hearing from, you know, the CECCE, whatever they're called now, you know, they used to Canadian be. Council Chief right. Executive. We're not hearing from them dismantle the whole healthcare system. Mm -hmm. We're not hearing that, and we're not going to hear it, because they consider that a subsidy to them. Yes, and that's right? the point I wanted to get and at. And they're going to keep that. Mm -hmm. So, so, so yeah. sorry. Hi. Okay. Oh yeah, now it's lit up. Okay, uh, my name is Melanie. Hello, nice to see you in Edmonton. <laughs> I'm Petra Creek. <laughs> um, it's been very interesting and very informative. Um, I just wanted to kind of maybe throw some fuel on fire, or just to add my two cents. Um, as a person who it makes very little money because I'm a poor student and I have student loans, just like probably everybody else in the classroom. Um, I'm shocked at how little taxes I pay, quite frankly. I calculated it recently. I think I pay about 12%. Um, and I lived in an, a society for four and a half years just about where I was lucky to take home half my paycheck. Denmark, as a matter of fact. And I know I keep bringing this up and the people in the class are probably sick of hearing about this. But... Um, Who to me? Please talk. The <laughs> when I lived in Denmark, it was... It was never something in the front of my mind, but in the back of my mind was always the knowledge that should anything happen to me, 
Should I be in an accident and become disabled, no longer be able to work? I don't care what. There was a social safety net. There was something that protected me. Yeah, I gave away a huge amount of money every month to the government. But I was satisfied with that because I knew that just in case, I had something in return. If I had to go to the doctor, that was no problem. I could go see my doctor at any time, provided he or she had time. But I could go see my doctor at any time for any issue. I could go to the hospital if I needed to. I could collect benefits, like I said, if I became disabled or anything like that. I could live in subsidized housing because I was an apprentice. And so I was able to live on my own, etc. There was there was just a huge amount of stuff that I got in return for that. And I was I was happy with that. It's not perfect, especially the healthcare system. Um, right now, in fact, there's still a huge issue in Denmark with, for instance, cancer treatments. Cancer treatments which are available in Sweden just across the Sound and have been for several years are still not available in Denmark because the Danish system insists on conducting its own testing before certifying it for use in the healthcare system. And so there are a great many people who cross the Sound and get cancer treatments there if they have the money. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying that there aren't problems that have to be dealt with, but it can work. And something else I wanted to mention is that something very much akin to the third way has been functioning for the past mm, almost 70 years in Germany. Can I respond to that? And it, it's not perfect. Most of my family lives there. I know they have big complaints with a lot of things, but... It's another way to, or another section to look at. Denmark is very much like Sweden, and you had mentioned Sweden previously, Shannon, as as a uh, public system where you're not the doctors aren't allowed to go between systems. Um, and I just thought I'd throw my two cents in there, and that was pretty much it. Oh, and I wanted to mention that actually just today on the news, I heard about a study that was done in California that I guess some business person brought up here in Alberta today. Um, there was a study done in California just recently, I believe it was by a bank, and they were studying, I think, the premiums that they pay for their employees who have a family of four, for instance, were like $10,000 a year. No, $40,000 a year. Yeah, $40,000 a year, and they paid like, I don't know, $1,000 a year here or something like that. It was a ridiculously small sum in comparison to the Ameri what you pay in the American system. And so there were a great many companies, including this bank, which had actually stopped providing health care to their employees. And I didn't get any figures. It was just a short report on the radio. Um, but the cost in turn, in terms of work hours, et cetera, for the people who then got sick, who had foregone getting any health care whatsoever on their own because they could not afford it, was 10 times higher or some astronomical figure higher than what the company would have paid $40,000 a year in premiums if they had actually provided healthcare service. So I did hear something about it, Don. Thank you very much for drawing that to our attention. I really uh, I found that enlightening. And don't hesitate to tell us about Denmark or, or Germany as Deutschland. Go ahead, please. But, uh, that was Shannon on CBC today, by the way. Well, that doesn't make you a bad person to say that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. But Shannon, you. Shannon, Shannon's wanted to leap in here about, the, about Germany. Please do. A little bit, but also I think there's, there's a couple of other international things that maybe we should keep in mind. 
There's a paper by a woman named Colleen Flood that is an analysis of the Chowley decision. And she's, through Osgoode Hall, she's a health law policy professor. And Osgoode Hall, that's in Toronto, associated with York University. So Colleen Flood wrote a paper kind of picking apart the Chowley decision based on some of the erroneous assumptions that the bench made in their majority decision. And one of them was that they interpreted countries which have something called substitutive health insurance as being the same as other countries such as Australia, New Zealand, or potentially what Dr. Chowley wanted to have happen in Canada, which is parallel insurance. Now what happens in Netherlands and Germany, it's a little bit different in Germany, and I'm not as solid on that one, so you'll have to maybe read about it in Colleen Flood's paper. And I highly recommend you do, because she really picks apart how the Supreme Court really royally screwed up in this decision. But in the Netherlands and in Germany, if you make under a certain amount of money, you are covered through a public health care insurance system. If you make over a certain amount of money, you get nothing. And so you have to buy substitutive insurance. And there are a couple of insurance companies that you deal with. This is not insurance that allows you to go to different doctors and get to the front of the line. It is not, in other words, queue-jumping insurance like the British, Australian, and New Zealand model, which is the one that is proposed for Canada. Now, point of clarification, are you obliged to buy that insurance? Yes, you're obliged to buy it. So if you're over a certain income level, then you have to buy this insurance. Generally, it comes through your employment because, well, you're not making that much money unless you have a good job. And the logic is, if you're driving an automobile, you need insurance regardless. Exactly. So that's kind of how it works. But in terms of taking a step back and looking at our role as global citizens and our role in the global economy, as students, you folks are students of political economy, and so you've probably engaged with the various arms of the WTO, in particular the General Agreement on Trade and Services. And perhaps more pernicious than Chapter 11 threats under NAFTA are the threats, and you'll have to forgive me, I don't remember the article number of the GATS that deals with health care, but there are several. And basically, Canada, Australia, and other countries have negotiated themselves an exemption under the GATS for health care and education. And basically what that means is that we are exempt from having to trade freely in services in health care. That doesn't mean, however, that Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade officials, Canadian ones, haven't been going around the world forcing, cajoling, cornering developing countries into committing health care services in their countries to GATS schedules so that we can then export health care services to them and make big bucks off people who are far poorer than we are. For an analysis of that, you may want to look at a group of people called the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. Ottawa. And it's policyalternatives.ca. There's a really good paper on the GATS and health care by two gentlemen, Stephen Staples and Jim Grieshaber Otto. If you're looking at 
uh, for ideas for what to write your uh, upcoming papers on. I know you have term papers due. Um, that, but, that might be one that you may want to look at. Now, a point of clarification, and not to cast aspersions on anything, is the Center for Policy Alternatives in Ottawa is the antithesis of the Fraser Institute's point of view. And they write from that perspective. So we're, you're looking, if you want to get balanced your views, you would do no better than to see what the Fraser Institute boys and girls have to say, measured against what the Center for Policy Alternatives have to say. Both are. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm saying the two, the two points of view are interesting to see because you often wonder, like a judge who are being presented the same case with the same facts, how two different lawyers can spin it in, in different ways. So I strongly urge you to look at both sides of the debate. And this, uh, the Center for Policy Alternatives, from my uh, conversations over the decades, uh, tends to come from a point of view well, ar well argued, and certainly uh, is, uh, that voice needs to be heard. But that's, I think that's fair to say it comes from a perspective. Cindy, can I just... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I wanted to go back to something Tony. Tony raised the question, and we sort of got away from it, about health care as a right. And I, I wanted to go back and just make a couple comments about the Cheoli decision and the Charter, because I think that's one of the places where we have to be mm -hmm. much more proactive. Um, because it Can taught us something about what the Charter actually is. Mm -hmm. And Peggy? Peggy? Yes. Can you just explain what this case is? I know you've written oh, about it. Oh, I and, thought we did. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. We apologize. Okay. We're sorry. We're sorry. Jacques Chayouli was a, a, a physician in Quebec who took a case to the uh, first Quebec court and then finally to the Supreme Court over the right of his patient, George Zeliotis, um, to have pay privately to have his hip done. And... It was a narrow decision of a 4-3 decision by the Supreme Court, which said that um, the provision in the Quebec, the Quebec provision didn't deal with the charter, uh, to life, liberty, the right and security of the person was infringed. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was a decision which really... Um, which really said quite straightforwardly that your right to health care is based on your ability to pay for it. It's based on your wealth. In it's Quebec. Not, in, in Quebec. It's the Quebec Charter. And, and, and here's where, okay. we, this is where it gets murky. Just take one moment here mm -hmm. for clarification because this is important to understand because it, it is that Quebec civil code is different yes. from the rest of the country. So had this decision occurred in Saskatchewan, that would have been interesting. But anyway, please do. So, so that means that despite what anyone says, that has yet to be tested in Alberta, in BC, or anywhere else. And perhaps and this so, is what this is all and about. And so when we're talking about the fact that Ralph is so embarrassed by the fact that he's got the most restrictive legislation in Canada, he may be wanting to test it. And that's what I think. Well, that's, yeah, that's Let, right. Let's go. And let's. So, this, this is the key thing. So, but let's yeah. let's go back to, the, to. So that's one aspect of this whole thing. Now, so that decision, really, if we if we think about it, it tells us something about the charter. And if we go back and say, what was that charter? Trudeau wanted to bring in a conception of rights, without without accepting the United Nations definition of a human right. That, that you have a right to health care, to, edu to education, to shelter, to food, to clothing, to housing, to all the things that you need to be a human person. So 
it was in many ways it's sort of at the end of the period of individual rights you bring in the charter but really what the chile decision shows is that there is no individual rights there it's all about monopoly right because really what it said was a monopoly has the right to provide this private health care and somebody can pay for it if they have the money and it wasn't about individual rights at all well so, yes. so, so that's I, an interpretation so, so yeah i'm interpreting I it's, know, an, atta- I know. it's yeah. an attack on collective rights yeah. right and in my opinion it's it's really raises the question of collective rights and that collective right to health care versus monopoly right and that's what the chiuli decision was so the supreme court came down in favor of monopoly right against the collective right of people to health care so so we really have to to put this question on the agenda of what rights do you have as a human being and then what responsibilities do we have you know as citizens of the world as well on that front um, and so really this question is a question of opposing monopoly right and going head to head on that question and raising what our conception of a modern society is and the rights of people in a modern society. Shannon, did you want yeah. to? Well, I just wanted to add to the Chowley decision. Um, the reason why we are all having this conversation right now probably stems from the Chowley decision. And what it did was it struck down the prohibition on private insurance under the Quebec Charter. What that, and based on some very specious argumentation by the, by the majority um, on the Supreme Court, which argued that the prohibition on private insurance um, was unconstitutional in light of wait times. And in light of the fact that they were writing public policy in this decision, it is an awful decision, and I think we should all read it, um, because they, they, they very much made some huge errors when they started saying, well, they ignored some evidence from other countries, they, ignore, they ignored evidence of longer wait times, for, for um, parallel private health insurance, but the, while, while they took into account shorter wait times in systems like Germany and the Netherlands, where they have substitutive private health insurance, which is not at all what Dr. Choley was proposing in, in, when he took that case to the Supreme Court. So, so what that case is based on is, it, basically it gives us two doors. It can make us shorten wait times, in which case the point is moot, which, or it can open the door to private health insurance. Which effectively in Ontario, uh, which is, that now is a point that is being used by the McGuinty government right now, is that they're obliged to shorten wait times at this point. This is a, this is a dialogue and conversation that's going on in the province of Ontario right now. So the point is, is that this decision that was made is that if somebody's going to pull the trigger on whether or not we're going to have a public health care system in the country, chances are the trigger will be pulled here first. Well, well, I mean, well, we've gone the furthest in our package of so-called reforms, right? I mean, BC and Quebec, in response to the Chowley decision, they both have right-wing provincial governments as well. So they said, okay, what are we going to do? They've opened the door to some private health insurance. What they have not done is taken that step further and allowed doctor and, and proposed that doctors be allowed to practice in both a pri- private, right. public. And and uh, or a private and a public system, so there's a difference there. Alberta has taken it further in, in, in introducing a market, but also making sure that if that market fails, 
the doctors that went and took themselves out of the public system to serve those of us who cannot pay can come back to their sweet jobs. Okay, let's remember, Don, that there are four provinces in Canada who don't have a ban on private insurance. So private insurance is not, like there's no federal, there's no Canada Health Act ban on private insurance. It's a provincial thing, and there's only six provinces that ban private insurance. Yes. So they can do all of these, the private insurance part won't be the piece on which this would go to the Supreme Court here. I'm going to start, I think, gearing down or coming towards the end. We're officially five minutes from the end. But Andy has a point. Andy has a point, and I'd like to go to Michelle, who's been patiently waiting, and perhaps Gordon has a few remarks. I don't know if James does. I don't think we're going to get to the phone call to Lucan. But it's been a very lively chat this evening. But Andy, do you want to say some concluding remarks? Well, actually, I'm interested, Don, especially in your, I guess, where the dialogue was going as far as leadership and governance. Because I guess just as an activist, I like the whole thought of going on the offensive. And I think the next phone calls and investigations I do will be to bring some good activists in from New Zealand and actually bring them and start to incorporate them into the struggle here. But I am interested. Frankly, we are caught up in terms, I mean, you kind of said one or the other, governance or leadership. I think that if we take this to a leadership stance, that's ideal. But frankly, at this point, we are stumped with this being a governance issue. It's what comes first, right? I mean, we're faced with legislation. We're faced with the inability or the relative inability. I mean, the NDP put forth a private member's bill for pharmacare. It was struck down by the conservative government. That's not a well-known fact outside of the pointy head circles. But there are things like that where, frankly, we are faced with that, with the nuts and bolts of the machine at this time. Now, I'm willing to entertain sort of organizing outside of that. I'm interested in how you see that leadership unfolding, that leadership role unfolding in a system where we're faced with, I mean, I guess to start to organize doctors or, and especially, as was said earlier, we should be training doctors and exporting them, not importing them, this kind of thing. I mean, we're so far behind that anything that works to actually organize doctors outside of our public system would sound like private anyways. I guess I'm just not sure what leadership means. I mean, it sounds good, but in terms of practical terms. Andy, thank you so much for saying that. I have good news. And the good news is that starting this fall on CKUA, I will have a new series of programs on leadership. And it's all full-blown contemporary. And I'm asking all of you, each and every one of you, is that please keep in touch with me. And I'll give you my email address. And if there's someone in the world that you think that I should talk to, and I kid you not, we can do it this way. 
to incorporate in this series because I believe, this is my opinion now, this is what this is Don Hill talking, is that we have an extraordinary opportunity. This, I'll take off my hat, see? <laughs> but the thing is, we have an extraordinary opportunity, this is my opinion, to demonstrate leadership. And I think if we can reach out to the best and brightest minds, the, as well-schooled and as well-educated as we are, that we can demonstrate through leadership uh, out of a whole bunch of pickles that we put ourselves in over a, a decades of brine. Now, my email address for those of you who have got a pen finally is hildon, H-I-L-L-D-O-N, at telus.net. That's hildon at telus.net. If there's someone anywhere in the world or a book you think you should draw my attention to, please do. Uh, the series will begin in the fall on CKUA, and of course that's available everywhere. So that's the good news, is that this is an open dialogue at this point. And I think if we prove to each other tonight that if we all enter into this canoe, we can have paddles on the left, we can have paddles on the right, but the idea is that we're both paddling with the same object in mind, and moving, instead of going around in circles, mm -hmm. is moving forward. That's the only metaphor I'd like to leave with you. Go ahead, Andy. That sounds like a... <laughs> and and uh, Shannon, Mel, and, and uh, Jeff especially will appreciate this. That sounds like a very liberal metaphor, frankly. Paddles <laughs> <laughs> on this side and paddles on this side. Um, but but I and, and I'll um, I guess I'll sign off on on the fact that the uh, I, I'm I'm pleased to hear about the show that's that's upcoming. So am I. And I think a lot of us can can contribute and make it. Uh, make it very effective. Um, but we are still stuck, of course, with, uh, let's face it, most people don't tune into CKUA uh, and on and on. And again, but wait a minute, Andy, just one, one second, one moment there. And I, I want to do something here. This is very clear. I want you to be very clear about this, okay? Yes, that's true, but I have very good news for you. You listen to CKUA and you, yes, you are a leader. Your opinion informs and forms the opinions of many other people. And if we can reach, and I'm saying no matter what political perspective you come from, is if we can talk directly to leaders, the 3 to 5% of the population whose opinions inform and form the opinions of others, then we can really make a difference. I'm not interested in being on QR or chat. I'm not interested in parroting the particular points of view that's like a drumbeat that goes bang, 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 to the point where it's like a mantra and you end up in a trance. We're living in a consensus trance that needs to be broken. And I have implicit faith in you, yes, you, and others in this room today that you will leave tonight, you will leave this, I guarantee this, and you will have a discussion amongst yourselves and say, what did I learn tonight and what can I tell the people that I care about what's interesting and what to do next? Because you are the leaders. Don't worry about the other people. Let's start with ourselves. Well, on that note, uh, yeah. But man, you guys are incredibly well informed on this issue. Uh, and, ew, I did, I'm just I, the other day on the phone. Just met Jeff the other day on the phone, but just look over your shoulder and uh, you want to see some leadership there, um, Shannon and uh, Melanie and. Uh, and Michelle here, and, and Jeff over here. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just meeting Jeff, and I, you know, we're showing great potential. Uh, 
the jury's Gets wasted a lot. 
I'm, I'm regretting that I didn't hear from each one of you. And uh, I would have been enriched by your response to uh, some uh, of really controversial and uh, highly stimulating and valid opinions that, that we have heard tonight. I have seen in your eyes uh, as a teacher uh, some recognition of the importance of the statements that are made and your desire to, didn't you, your desire to contribute to them. Melanie has been there, she is there, she's on the street, she's on the platform, she's going to Ottawa. She's, I have great admiration for her and I, I want her, I want to cite her to you as an example of what leadership is about. Go do it! Be there! <laughs> oh, be go. there on, uh, yes, on yes. Saturday. What about you? Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, some kind of rally? What time? 1.30. To 2.30, following after from 2.30 to 4, a public consultation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I, I just want to say that, that, that uh, I'm embarrassing Melanie, but, uh, but Michelle, but she she's organized five rallies in this city and uh, rallies that have been brought, brought the television stations together, brought information to the neighbor for other people to do it. And you can do it too. Why isn't there some kind of organization in this university that is talking about the kinds of things? Wonder where there is a band that would go to the rally. Uh, people will play the trumpet. We can't find them in the university. They're busy making a, getting a degree in, 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 in Rivaldi or something. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. You bet. <laughs> Tony, you got to turn on your mic. You can't. You can't hear me. Now we now can. Now we can. Uh, yeah. So if you, no, no. I just want to make special acknowledgement. Push the button. Make special. Okay. Can you hear me? Or yeah. I just want to express acknowledgement. Thank you so much for coming, Peggy. Thank you for the leadership you've offered on, the, on this issue over many years and, and are continuing to do so. James Moore, would you like to say a few more remarks yeah, before thanks. we leave? Um, Dawn, your idea? Uh, Sorry, push. I can't hear you. Push your button. Can you hear me now? Yes. I don't think it's a button issue. Okay. Hear me now? Yes. Yeah. So this idea of leadership and what you're talking about, the radio, this is potential that could be actualized. I think that what we're looking at is uh, when you're talking about the cliches or the, or the, you know, the discourse that is uh, cliche, and if people are only using that, then they're not using their own authentic voice. And this is where we start really actualizing the potential. So in a similar way, this class tonight, I want to thank everyone for joining in it, has, you know, someone to undertake, well, you know, how are you going to realize the potential technology? And we have an issue that's very right now here in Alberta. We have a local example in the privatization of healthcare of a global phenomenon. So let's see what we can so thanks to everyone, you know, Gordon, uh, Michelle, the people in, in Edmonton, because we tried to do something. And it's just an example of what's possible. So carry on, Don. Uh, look forward to, to go and, and what else we can do with it. Well, let, let's say that we do this again sometime sooner than later.
All right. I don't know if you I don't know if you heard that, but I'm saying as I I can't speak for my colleagues here, but I think we enjoyed ourselves. Yes. And you know where did we learn anything? We'll have to find out in the, the weeks to come. The other side is, like we haven't uh, reached out. We've had a very interesting chat here tonight on the on the texting line. We've got, you know, people in Ontario that we we probably are going to try and phone, but we have to work out some of that. We've got yes. people in. We even had somebody uh, waiting in, in Beijing, China, but, you know, somebody had a technical glitch. These are the kind of things that are part of the system and kind of the types of things that we will work out as we try and actualize the potential. But I think we're really on to something. Yeah, more of it. And, and as we reach further with the potential of the webcast on the Internet, for example, we can start to mo mobilize and use this more as an organizing tool for you know, maybe passing on to Red Deer, Edmonton, or something else. Look, here in Lethbridge, we're having a rally in Galt Gardens. You know, we've got together and done this much, and, you know, we inspire each other and, and encourage each other and, and, and so on, to realize that we're not isolated in this, you know, struggle against this, this colossus at all. In fact, uh, I think it's uh, not well known, but, you know, the whole thing could be one in a weekend. We all woke up and moved together, so... That's innovation. Okay, well, you we'll would, see you, you soon. Find, you would find yourself in agreement with Preston Manning is that the beast uh, that is going to be the next governance has yet to reveal its name. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Action.